Dean has a dream life. A good job. A nice boss. Great fun friends. And a wonderful loving girlfriend. Until one day. International. Welcome to another episode of Lie, Cheat, and Steal. I'm your host, Pat Sorois. With me, as always, my co-host, Kath Barbadoro. Hey, Pat. Hey, what's going on, Kath? How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Pat? You always ask me, and I think I'm rude and don't ask you. <laughs> I, uh, I'm doing good. I, uh, let's see. What I, what I do this week? I just, I've been working. Uh, been working and uh, uh, did some slinging writing. Slinging those donuts? Yeah, slinging them D-nuts, baby. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, just pretty much just been working. Uh, hung out with my girlfriend a little bit. Uh, like, we stayed at her place for a couple days, and then uh, I uh, uh, have some stand-up comedy coming up tonight. I'm going to be doing uh, um, that show with Mac Blake and uh, Aaron Brooks, Six Shooter. Oh, Knuck Deep. Yeah, 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 yeah. With their, with their country, their country hip-hop, or country yeah, hip-hop, sorry, country uh, uh, super duo. Yeah, Mac Blake and Aaron Brooks run a show at uh, Barrel of Fun. It's it's a good time uh, up at the Mueller Alamo. And yeah. they do it in character as uh, their legendary country, mu- country music duo called Knuck Deep. Knuck Deep, yeah. It's so gross. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm looking forward to the, I'm looking forward to seeing the new Mueller uh, theater. I haven't been to the new Mueller Alamo Draft House, so that should it's be pretty, pretty nuts. cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, other than that, Jed's yeah, been kind of kind of chilling, kind of cool in it. Um, I. Uh, What's been going on? Nothing. nothing. I, I really have nothing to report. Like, I've kind of been nothing having a boring. Cool. Well, nothing to report. No news uh, is good let's news. Let's get into the podcast then. Let's yeah, get let's, into let's, the, the money. This isn't going to be a my favorite murder situation where we talk about ourselves for 45 minutes and then yeah, do 10 yeah, minutes I, of... <laughs> man, I... I uh, I used to play because we play a lot of podcasts in my food truck uh, as we discussed in the last episode <laughs> we play my own sometimes and uh, it's requested <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, they uh, I, I would always play that one and it would it was a hit for a while and now it's like I play it and like the people are like don't they talk about murders I'm like they will eventually yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, I still I still like it I think they are lovely people oh yeah uh, no I'm still a fan of the show I still funny, listen to every episode but- yeah, they don't talk about murders very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. It's a, yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I got to the point now where I kind of will cherry pick and just go to the mini episodes just to hear that shit. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Just to get to the, the violent crimes. Yeah, just to get to the straight murder. Like, I want to see some people getting fucking offed. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, we had, uh, speaking of uh, food truck podcast uh, funnies, uh, I did have, uh, <laughs> we, were, we were listening to the last podcast on the left in the truck the other day, and uh, they, they, you know, they, we're saying some crazy shit as they do on that and this girl was sitting at the window and I came over and she goes what are you guys listening to and I was like oh shit I was like it's a true crime podcast it's about uh, a cult and serial killers and da 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 I was like it's fun and she was like oh it's hilarious I was like oh thank god oh okay. thank god thank god yeah yeah cause yeah they were, they, they were legitimately talking about like like a bunch of <laughs> pussy and blood in the same sentence at that point and That's I was funny like you oh. would say that because so my roommate uh, in New York is a very very old friend of mine 
and Becky. Shout out to Becky. Uh, she is very supportive of my comedy career and, uh, you know, tries to, like, listen to all my stuff and support me or whatever. But she said that she has trouble listening to this because we swear so much. She doesn't oh. like hearing me swear, <laughs> which is really cute. Oh, well, Be- I Becky, know. I am so fucking sorry. <laughs> <laughs> She's been, she's been listening though So I'm not going to tell her up. we talked about her And this will be a test to see if she's listening Although now, she would listen This is only four minutes in So she's probably like fine with it now Like yeah, She'll yeah, turn yeah. it off after too many F-bombs But yeah. anyway Shout out to Becky I'm sorry I swear so much Yeah sorry. you know what's so funny Is I, I, I wrote a lot of this copy uh, Last night uh, while I was a little drunk After I cut off work And I did the first sentence First second sentence has an F-word Tight tight All right, so the year is 2004. The place, fucking Wall Street, baby. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. The place where all good scams happen. Yeah. Uh, Our figureheads... You know what I just noticed, speaking of which, in this podcast and the last one, you didn't do the whole whole tagline. Oh, my God. I think I did it. The, I, did, I did it the last one. Uh, okay, and I did okay. not in this one. So, if, for those of you who are unclear, this is a podcast about liars, <laughs> frauds, thieves, and bullshitters. All okay, right. Thank you. Now so, we can. Now we can. Yeah. Uh, continue. Yeah. Something so, did feel. It felt, felt a little off. We're Wall Streets, two thousand and four. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying fucking uh, uh, chameleonaire is about to drop right and dirty in just seven oh, months. <laughs> I I a label all time. time periods pre chameleonaire, post chameleonaire. Uh, <laughs> so years two thousand and five. Now figureheads of our story. David Peichen, a 29-year-old former trader for Goldman Sachs. He is a Notre Dame graduate, graduated cum laude, magna cum laude from uh, Notre Dame. Uh, I, I don't know if I said this on the podcast or in another conversation, but uh, the music director at my church would often say, his, he'd go, yeah, my wife graduated from uh, tech, from UT, magna cum laude. I graduated, thank the laude. <laughs> <laughs> you have said that on the podcast okay. before. And I like that you enjoy that so much that you've said it twice. I think about it <laughs> once a day. <laughs> but, uh, so his buddy, uh, Eugene Plotkin, uh, is his homeboy. He graduated from Harvard. Uh, uh, no word on the laudiness of it, but uh, he definitely graduated from there. Now, okay. uh, now David Peichen, the, the first guy I mentioned, was a previous Goldman Sachs trader. Uh, Plotkin still worked at Goldman Sachs. Now, they met when they worked there. They met in their early 20s. Uh, the two had a lot in common. They became fast friends. Uh, they were both the sons of Croatian immigrants. Uh, um, they were first generation. They both believed in the American dream and they both wanted very badly to be millionaires. And I know most people we do shows about want very badly to be millionaires, <laughs> but this is like a phrase that keeps coming up in the description of them, both from the prosecutors and from their friends and family is that they just really, really wanted to be millionaires. So. I, it's also funny to me that uh, they point out that they both believe in the American dream. Like, that's yeah. funny. <laughs> that's just like a strange, like, oh, they have so much in common. They both believe in the American yeah, dream. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And- I believe it because I'm sure it will set the scene for the uh, grifting to come. Yeah, which exactly. so much grifting we talk about on the show <clears throat> is done in service of the American In dream, service of so. the American, yeah. A lot of 
a lot of uh, bad things are done in service of the American dream. Exactly. Uh, now, you know, so they're by no means poor, obviously. They work on Wall Street. They're Ivy League school graduates, you know. Uh, yeah, they're doing but, all right. Yeah, they're doing okay. But they saw the lifestyle, the styles of their more successful Wall Street counterparts, and they knew they could, they could be doing so much more. Now, uh, Pychin had left Goldman Sachs, and he had recently been jumping around various investment firms, you know, just kind of taking his talents to South Beach all up and down Wall Street. Uh, Plotkin had moved up at Goldman Sachs and was doing fairly well as a senior analyst. Uh, again, they had money, but they wanted more. Now, they, they want to know how they can take the money that they have and capitalize on it and make it more money. Uh, so they did exactly what you would expect two first-generation Croatian-Americans to do uh, to make their fortune. They financed a very shitty film. <laughs> uh, what, now, what, what stereotype about Croatian immigrants is that? <laughs> nothing. That, that was uh, that was definitely a uh, just a non-sequitur. Not, 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 that was just <laughs> me just being stupid and drunk last night. Like, That's what you'd expect from Croatian immigrants. You know uh, what they say about Croatian yeah, immigrants? Yeah, yeah. They're always financing films. They're always financing films and they make very complex G.I. Joe hideouts. Like, what the <laughs> <laughs> That's an odd stereotype. Uh, so Pychin and Plotkin, uh, Pychin and Pockin both plunked down. Now, they uh, they both spent 50 grand on a shitty independent film called One Way. Okay. Now, uh, what this is, uh, Pychin direct... It sounds direct- like a Van Damme or something. It, you it know? essentially is. Uh, now, we're going to be leading into this episode with a, a clip from the trailer, uh, so that's, that's what you Amazing. guys heard yeah but essentially uh Pychin and Plotkin uh make this shit heap of a movie but it's about a Wall Street broker who uh is as his, the preview said he's got a good job fun friends <laughs> and it's <laughs> when they say fun friends it's him dancing in a club now keep in mind Plotkin started this and Pychin directed it so this, <gasps> oh wow <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> there's definitely in the trailer there's definitely a makeout scene so did they write it uh, yes, yeah, they written, wrote, directed, and started it. Okay, so this is like I, I see. So they they basically just decided to make a movie about their lives. Yeah, they, they was like this would make them yeah. rich. How like every comedian in their first year of comedy is like, dude, we should write like a fucking show just about comics going to open mics and just doing the thing of a comic, like living our life. And uh, right, it, and then uh, Pete Holmes actually did that and is rich now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So. It, they had the idea of like let's make a movie out of our life and they did sure, that yeah like dude uh, we should just like like it'll be like a reality show of just like us in a green room yeah it's like <laughs> the shit we say off stage is like so much crazier than the shit we say on stage yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah I've seen this idea of fucking a crash and burn a million times over and it was no different for those two uh, needless to say the movie did nothing but waste 50 grand so now they're 50 grand lighter uh presumably 25 grand a pop but who knows uh so now it's back to the drawing also, board like 50 grand is not enough to make a movie like no, a real it's movie th- yeah no it's not it, it, so it's- they didn't even uh like Obviously, it was going to be bad regardless, but at least it could have been like a real movie if they yeah. had done more money. Yeah, no. and also, like, you could, you could take 50. If you were trying to, the movie they're trying to make definitely needed millions of dollars to make. They right. wanted to make like, a movie it, like that. It sounds like it's like an action movie or something. Yeah, it's like a, like a thriller, kind of. Uh, the, the preview, if you, if you want to go and watch, I could only find it um, 
in in an episode of American Creed like they show it I can't find it on the <laughs> internet by itself but um, they, they, uh, they they're everyone in the movie like even like at one point like you know it's a trailer so it's like you know it's like all like quick shots and shit yeah. but it's like cops are busting in uh, the authorities there the feds are looking at it there's a murder there's a mob boss all every actor looks like they're like 25 <laughs> like, fuck yeah yeah like none of them look like that that guy wouldn't have that job so and yeah. because if they had an imagination you could take 50 it's grand just other fucking Goldman traders playing yeah. cops and shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and if you had 50 grand, you could make like a really cool, interesting independent film. But if you were oh, trying totally. to make, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're trying to make this movie, uh, that's like every other Hollywood movie you saw and liked because you, in, in your childhood, you're going to need millions of dollars. They didn't have that. Yeah. So, uh, they just kind of continue dicking around for a little bit with ideas on what they're going to do to make their, their, their fortune. Uh, now Pichin goes back to fa- visit for the family in Croatia. And while he's there, he meets a Croatian businessman who tells him about a scam involving the magazine business week. Now business week, uh, has a column inside of it called inside wall street. Now this column is famous in the financial world. Uh, many, many traders take their cues and plot their strategies from the stock tips offered in the column. And it has a relatively high success rate. And so it can be theorized that if they say buy this stock, that stock's going to go up in price. That's how many people follow this, this thing. And if if yeah, so it's this they, is they, like a secret rich guy thing. So I've never heard about this. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's it's it's, it's not a hundred percent. You know, I mean, you still have to. But it's like th- this this thing essentially shapes the market. Like right, it, like this, it, you, it'll give your stock enough of a bump. Yes, like, exactly. Yeah, just by virtue of it saying it's good. Precisely. Yeah. yeah. So, so now the Croatian businessman tells Pichin that if he can get his hands on the magazine pre-publication he'll be that Ooh. much more informed. Yeah, so uh, it kind of harkens back to the uh, uh, milestone of uh, television uh, achievement in the 90s known as Early Edition. It came on uh, the show on... <laughs> you know, and, and I know it, 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 that show impacted our culture in so many ways. Uh, Did I tell you, I this is my favorite... Uh, you, this is my thank the Lottie, uh, <laughs> this joke. Becky, again, my friend Becky, uh, her dad used to call Early Edition Touched by a newspaper <laughs> so funny oh man that's perfect isn't that so good touched by a newspaper, touched by a newspaper. I love that's it. hilarious yeah I, that's anyway. so fucking funny um, yeah so uh, uh, man you know what other mid 90s uh, fucking flop I really enjoyed uh, The Pretender did you ever watch that no what's The Pretender The Pretender as far as I can tell is just about some dude that was really good at pretending to be people so it's like <laughs> this fucking uh uh, this like shadowy corporation uh, raised him from childhood um, to like basically they could like put him in a room that, on like a stair step machine holding a rifle and he could start walking up the stairs and, and then it, he could be in the mind of like fucking uh, Oswald when he killed Kennedy walking up the fucking or you know uh, <laughs> walking up the fucking stairs and it, he could like project himself into it and then like now he's an adult and he's got this ability to just pretend I don't know I just remember I liked it as a kid I've literally gone on back I, I looked at the Wikipedia for it to try to discern the plot and it still makes right. no sense to me it's but like it, one of those things you see as a kid and you like you you have your interpretation of it and you have yeah. no idea if it's correct or not yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet. <laughs> the one I have like that is did you ever watch that show the tomorrow people yes on Nickelodeon yeah I watched yeah, that. Yeah, yeah 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 that that's one where like I don't know what that show is about but I remember watching it and being like this is fucking crazy yeah yeah that and uh Although this, I did notice about it, it was a little more accessible than The Secret Life of Alex Mack. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, I like that yeah. one. Yeah, that one was, I kind of know what it's about. Yeah, there was one where she turned into gel uh, in the first episode, and then her her clothes fell off because she's gel, and she reappears like behind a shower curtain, and it's like from her chest up, and that did a lot of things for young Patrick Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> about that show is I feel like that was the first show I watched uh, where like a corporation was evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I feel like I'm the only the only one who watched all these fucking shows in the 80s and 90s where the corporations were evil because I'm just like, no, don't you guys get it? These billionaires aren't our friends. They're bad. Yeah, let's if we, if we, I, I feel like I'm... kill Alex Mack. Yeah, sometimes I feel like I'm the only one trying to save this fucking rec center and it just... <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah so the businessman tells Pynchon that if he gets his hand on a magazine pre-publication he'll be that much more informed that's what's called uh, Croatian wisdom <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, so Pynchon returns from the trip and he immediately tells his BFF Plotkin about his hot new tip so Plotkin's immediately on board with the plan and there's like but how do, how do you get a, uh, a copy of something before it comes out well they find out that this magazine is printed in a print printing plant in Wisconsin and that is obviously printed ahead of time so it can be distributed so what they do is they determine they need to infiltrate this newspaper or this magazine printing plant in Wisconsin and have somebody get early issues of Business Insider and this you know, seems like more work than just doing your stock job. Yeah, this like is so the, much more work. The, yeah, that, that's that's actually what they're going to find out here pretty quickly. The, <laughs> the, the pair set up a Craigslist ad looking for factory workers. Uh, they conducted the interviews. Uh, the first interview would be done at a bar, and then the second. You know, you know how you go to work at a factory and you meet two Wall Street brokers at a bar. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. they're probably like. Uh, they've probably like never met someone who works in a factory so they're just like yeah, oh, yeah. He's pr- they're probably alcoholics like, yeah exactly they're like yeah dude like we're gonna fucking we're gonna go we're gonna drink $14 Jack and Cokes <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah so uh, now after if you if, when they, you made through the first interview they conducted the second interview and uh, again her tradition with the industry the second interview was conducted in a Russian bathhouse called Spa 88 <laughs> oh fuck yeah if you're going to meet like two Croatian guys at a Russian bathhouse yeah. like to, to discuss a business deal like yeah, it is it, not above board yeah it's, it's illegal like I mean you can still do it have fun but just know it's illegal just yeah like things are not things are not uh, kosher yeah so after they get up in the Russian bathhouse and they're sitting there in towels I guess pouring water on hot rocks have you uh, seen uh, eastern promises i have not but i know there's like a, a russian bathhouse scene that the, that, that the magazine article i read called iconic <laughs> yeah it's very iconic that's just what i think when i think of a business dealing in a russian bathhouse yeah. viggo mortensen's dick flopping around while he beats the shit out of dudes <laughs> anyway <laughs> oh man that's so funny that there's uh, i didn't even think that there would be dick involved in it i'm like oh yeah i heard it was iconic riveting and i uh, kept you on the edge of your seat <laughs> you're like, yeah, it yeah, does yeah. but also yeah. there's dick in it that's what uh, you know what a lot of times i i am on the edge of my seat in situations where dicks are present i'm pretty nervous exactly. i'm like all right hold on hold on i gotta keep my head on a swivel yeah uh, yeah yeah keep your wits about you yeah keep your wits about you when surrounded by dicks um now uh so if it so yeah so we do uh yeah they so 
they want to relocate they, they, they talk to the person they determine that they're down uh, they hit them with a proposition they want to relocate that person to Wisconsin and for $500 to $2,000 per stolen copy they would call them you know they, they would pay them that and have this person call them early in the morning and read them the stock tips in the Inside Wall Street article so they would have a few days a few days jump on it so uh, on December 16, 2004 one of the workers called Plotkin from the plant and read them the uh, read of the column the big story telecom giant Verizon was preparing to acquire Altel okay. so Pychin and Plotkin like what they hear they immediately buy 3,000 shares of Altel stock uh, after the article hit the press the pair sold their stock and netted $3,000 uh, so yeah kind of not a big payoff yeah seems like uh, the amount of money you're paying uh, your man on the inside kind of takes away from your yeah exactly. small profit but hey Points yeah, for effort, I guess. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, they uh, so over the next year, though, they, they keep this up, and they actually pull off another 48 trades involving companies like Federal Express and um, uh, uh, the Casual Men's Clothing Store. That's actually what's called Casual Men's. It was a big and tall store. Uh, so, the pair eventually, over the course of one year, they netted $280,000 uh, from that scheme. So, okay. not, not a bad take. You know, So, now it's making a little bit of money, but still, you know, they want to be millionaires. They don't want to be 100000 heirs. They don't want that yeah. fucking fake shit. They believe in the american dream god damn it so they uh they, they made that money but they they determined it was a lot of work for 300 grand so they're not satisfied they cancel that scheme eventually they come up with their next scheme see these guys are full of schemes these every you think you think they're done you think they've they've schemed as much as they're gonna scheme they got a scheme on top of that scheme and they're gonna scheme you they, they got schemes on schemes their schemes have schemes yeah so yeah so now Pychin's girlfriend uh monica uh Virjovic, uh she worked at a high-end strip club that was frequented by Wall Street brokers. So I imagine that's for Pichon. I like Matter. where this is going. Yeah. This is very fruitful for schemes. Yes, exactly. So their plan, recruit, get Monica to recruit a, fru- a few other strippers uh, to press their clients for insider stock tips during lap chances. Hell yeah. <laughs> so they would actually sit down and they would... Um, they would sit them down. They would coach these strippers uh, for questions to ask, which no matter how you ask it, how is that going to su- fucking sound like, you know, like casual? It's just all like, you know, like you give a lap dance. She's like, so would you say in the next fiscal quarter that there's going to be a push in <laughs> medical technology? It's like, what? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about work. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Dance. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've been at a strip club and, and some strippers been like, so what's the new donut that's going to come out? I'm just like, look, I leave that at the office, okay? And by, and by office, I mean Airstream trailer. <laughs> so. I do, though, I think that there's something, like, I, it probably isn't as hard as you would think, though, because I, I think that, like, a lot of why men go to strip clubs, especially men like that, is they like, um, they like feeling powerful and like, oh, yeah. smart and so like with flattery I feel like it wouldn't be that hard to get them to divulge that kind of stuff because you just you just defer to them and, and, and act so effusive and just be like oh like you know you're such a, you're such a brilliant investor like yeah. I'm trying to and yeah. also the idea of like uh, you know I, you're so uh, benevolent for trying to improve the life of the person who's rubbing their ass on your dick like, yeah. <laughs> like oh I'm gonna help this stripper invest yeah like, yeah yeah I, I bet 
it you could you could make it uh also they're all drunk like yeah yeah i feel like it wouldn't be too hard it, it, it would it would probably wouldn't be too hard however this does fail spectacularly God <laughs> that, damn it okay yeah. never mind <laughs> that is their if that, i were in charge it would have worked out <laughs> <laughs> they just need a, a fucking bright mind in there exactly uh, yeah so this fails spectacularly uh yeah I, I, apparently dudes getting lap dances aren't super on board to talk about stocks uh Fuck. so of their schemes this is the only one that uh well this and the shitty movie net zero dollars <laughs> so the pair seems to be defeated but they are not out of ideas now the uh the first rule of insider trading and this is the most important part uh have someone on the inside <laughs> that, that usually yeah. helps yeah so this is where plot it is insider trading yeah that's what you need seems important so this is where plotkin comes in uh plotkin is a guy he was still worked at goldman sachs at this point right uh, he was an analyst so he's like he had some insider information but he didn't have the the, the best insider information uh however his childhood friend stanislav spiegelman <laughs> as uh wow yeah what, what a mouthful yeah yeah <laughs> hey bud can i borrow a syllable <laughs> you look like you got enough <laughs> uh so uh stanislav spiegelman is a trader at wall street giant merrill lynch uh spiegel worked in mergers and acquisitions and he had info about the specific timing of these deals and knowledge of that timing is what nets you the real money if you know when it's going to happen because right. the, the best you know uh, i guess it's like a it's darkest before the dawn so it's like before those companies uh like like release this information like that they're getting bought is generally when the stock price is very very low when they release right. the information they're getting bought it shoots up and so you have to hop in there right in time to buy it when it's low and sell it when it's high like very yep. you know elementary shit that but that's like but knowing the time when that's going to happen is is essential because you got to act faster than everybody else so mm-hmm. uh plotkin and Pychin take spiegelman to the same Russian bathhouse that he was interviewing potential factory workers at Spa 88 and it's here that Spiegelman pitches him his idea uh, which goes like this Spiegelman gives them trade info Plotkin Peichin do some trades and they kick back a fat check to Spiegelman or cash I'd imagine so uh, he is instantly on board he's a y- he's younger than them uh, at this point they're like around 30 years old uh, he's 23 uh, you know, he's like older okay. one of them is an older kid that he knew growing up growing up growing up so I'm sure that like you know there were, he was like he wanted to get down with these guys and it was like yeah yeah I can do this I can do this so yeah totally he gets in there and uh, before long he hits him with the first tip Procter and Gamble is looking to buy Gillette so uh, big thing now if, when Procter and Gamble buys Gillette uh, that would put Procter and Gamble as having 300 products on the market uh, they mm-hmm. only they only had about I think like it was like 150 150 products on the market this would like completely like double the amount of products they had out yeah. there so it was like a big yeah, big deal. So in early 2005, the pair buy as much Gillette stock as they can afford. And on January 7th, 2005, the deal goes public, makes them $100,000 in profit. So okay, again, not a bad take. Not a bad, one, but the overhead on that one was absolutely nothing. You know, what I'm saying like the fucking you know, well, the overhead was the initial investment cost, but like they didn't have to fly anybody out to Wisconsin. You know, that's true. That's yeah, they true. just they had fucking Spiegelman shoot them a fucking phone call and tell them what was what, and that was that. So uh, over six months, Spiegelman facilitates six more inside trades. Now, All right. Yeah. Uh, in this in this six months, the pair makes roughly three hundred thousand dollars in six months. So. You know, moving along pretty nicely. Now, obviously, if they were trading in their own name, the jig would be up pretty quick. 
So yeah. the pair have set up gummy trading accounts all over the world. They have accounts based in uh, as far as way, as close as New Jersey and as far away as uh, Pychin's hometown or home country of Croatia. So all in all, they manage nine different trading accounts, including one in the name of his girlfriend, Monica uh, Vajovic, and his uh, his aunt, uh, Sonia Cernovic, who is a retired Croatian underwear seamstress. <laughs> Yeah. So didn't uh, know that was a profession. Did but. not know that. I thought you could just be a regular seamstress and occasionally underwear flew under your needle. But apparently, you could just do full time. Because like, what what happens in Croatia is their genitals just dissolve underwear. Like it just yeah. it just rips right through them. It's a it's, constant they go basis. Through them like like crazy. Yeah. They, this is the. Uh, I feel like we're getting dangerously into race science territory here. But <laughs> look, you know, you, eugenics or not, it's just, it's a simple fact look, of matter. Well Croatian crotch sweat. Have yeah. acidic genital discharge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's high levels of mercury, and, <laughs> and it just eats right through fabric. So if you if you're if you got a shop stitching undies in Croatia, uh, yeah, you got your work cut out for you. Is all I mean to say. <laughs> so uh, in the summer of 2005, Spiegelman shared his biggest tip. Ah, no, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, baby. I'm glad you said something because I was gonna. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't even realize until right now. <laughs> <laughs> so he shared his biggest tip. Uh, Adidas Solomon, that's the parent company of Adidas, was looking to acquire Reebok. So that's a, yeah, big deal. That would have uh, that would have increased the company's net worth by thirty three percent and would put them nipping right at the heels of Nike in terms of worth and value. Uh, however, not in terms of stylish shoes because Nike mm-hmm. is always going to look better than Adidas. Um, that's just my opinion. <laughs> so uh, I have no sneaker opinions. Let it yeah, be known. <laughs> I have a few. Um, Pichet and Plotkin get to work on August third. Uh, the story hits the press. It causes uh, the Reebok stock to go up one third in one day and it reaches nearly $60 a share. Pychin and Plotkin walk away with nearly $6 million. So, Hell yeah. boom, they are millionaires now. Yeah, they're fucking just, just, you keep on trying and eventually things go right for you. Kath, that's the whole story. No, I'm sure. <laughs> Don't get caught, folks. Thanks for I tuning in. They, if I were them, I would try to invest in a re-release of their shitty movie. Yeah. That's what I would do. <laughs> this whole it's thing. Like I can pay people to watch yeah, this shit now. Dude, we're just going to re-edit one way and we're going to put it back out there okay it's funny that it's called one way considering they had uh so many scams yeah so many ways <laughs> should have been called several ways uh, <laughs> as, as many ways as you need uh any which exactly. way but up uh, anyways but so uh, the six million dollars is distributed into the trading accounts of Pychin's girlfriend as well as her 60 year old fucking uh underwear seamstress aunt in croatia so um uh, needless to say this level of activity immediately alerts the sec uh not just because so much money was going into uh accounts that didn't look like they had any business getting that kind of money uh but also because uh, this is similar to you remember the, the horse betting scandal when they bet on the uh, uh on volpini the horse yeah and it, it turns out they were the only people to bet on him <laughs> yeah 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 80% of the stocks bought and traded that day in regards to the Reebok uh, uh, acquisition 
went to these nine accounts. Yeah. So yeah. There you go. Nobody saw it. Too close to the sun. Exactly. Exactly. Too clever by half. Nobody saw this coming, so nobody did it except for them. So now the SEC is like, all right, what what's going on here? They they're fairly certain it's not this uh, stripper and this underwear seamstress making the trades. Although not saying they're not capable of it, it's just not common. Uh, The investigators look for other accounts that made crazy profitable trades on the day of the Reebok announcement, and they center their focus onto nine accounts. It's the exact nine accounts that are owned by Pynchon and Plotkin. So uh, they flagged them as suspicious. Now, these accounts, as I said, they're as far away as Croatia and as close as New Jersey. And all of the accounts, however, are being managed from one computer in New York City. Come on, man. Come on, dude. Yeah, is that like, how is that? See, I wish we could get like a dream team of scammers together, you know? And get like the nerds from the fucking hack pack episode, and just and these guys, and then like put them together because it seems like they always it's like their their faults and their weaknesses obviously is what brings them down, and it's just like man, if we could just get this scamming super team, it would just it, nothing would go wrong. But you know. yeah, yeah, you got to learn from your mistakes. Yeah. That's what this podcast is all about, really. Yeah, we're, is we're, learning from the mistakes of those who have gone before. It's about learning, so we can pull off the perfect scam. Yeah. <laughs> it's about learning, and it's about growth. And it's about how our last episode is going to be about us. <laughs> It'll be a sequel podcast. The first episode will be about how we were incarcerated yeah. for our scams. Do people do podcasts from jail? That'd be tight. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, so now all the do fe- people. I feel like that definitely exists. Oh yeah, there has to be a, a jail, jail cast. cast. Yeah. Well, there's a comedian in uh, in Connecticut. In jail. Yeah. <laughs> there's a comedian in Connecticut named Dave Moon who just got out of jail. Uh, Dave Moon, good to have you back on the streets. But uh, <laughs> he, uh, while he was he was in jail, it was kind of radio silence on his Facebook. But like every few months, I'd get a Dave Moon status update. So he's definitely in there, like fucking around, getting on the internet and shit. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just love the idea of someone like secreting in a phone so they could record their podcast. Yeah. <laughs> they like could, the dumbest yeah. reason. <laughs> oh, they could be using it to do so much else. They could be using yeah, it. Nope. Just kind of get this podcast off the ground. Just uh, gotta gotta get my jail cast going. Yeah. <laughs> so all the all now the SEC, all they had to ask all they had to do was ask the question. Who does Sonia Cernovich know in New York? And uh, not, sure. a, not a huge list, you know? They immediately... Don't ha- have a lot of underwear seamstress contacts there, turns out. Yeah. <laughs> now, they immediately happen across her nephew, David Peichin. They see that he's a former trainer, and it's just it all kind of snaps into focus. It's like, oh, okay. So they start investigating Peichin. Uh, investigation reveals that he's dating Monica v- uh, Vijovich, one of the nine other account holders to profit from the Reebok deal. So it's all coming together. However, there has been media coverage of the suspicious deal. So what that does is that alerts Pichin and he flees to the Dominican Republic. So he flees to the Dominican Republic. He's got a shit ton of cash, though. Uh, yeah. The SEC- That's a good place to go to flee if you have a lot of money. Yes. Exchange rate's good. It's pretty. Uh, the food's good. The weather's nice. Good choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, 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 did, his, he did his homework there. Uh, so he leaves. The SEC freezes his account. So they start looking at um, at all of all of his accounts and, and all of his trading and his income and stuff. And they determined that it couldn't have just been from these uh, 
from these uh, the, the Reebok deal. They start seeing other fraudulent things. They start looking into it, and uh, they start they they start looking at stuff that's influenced by what they called soft data. Now, soft data was stuff that's not necessarily insider trading, but stuff that would uh, would possibly be like something you read in a magazine or something you looked at an article or heard a pundit say about finance on the TV, and they tried to determine like forensically where he was getting the motivation for his decisions. And yeah. it, it, they, they, were, they were able to graph it and chart it, and it turns out that all of these uh, accounts that he had been betting on uh, throughout that one, the year of 2005, not betting on, but, you know, well, essentially yeah. betting on. Basically betting on. Yeah. Those all went through... Um, all of the things that he betted on were uh, were uh, uh, companies mentioned in the uh, Inside Wall Street article in the Business Insider. Mm-hmm. So, or Business Weekly. So what they do is they determine, okay, so how was he getting these early copies? Uh, they look at when it was, you know, when it was printed, when it hits the streets of New York, how long between when it's like in the fucking newsstand to when it's like in the hands of the people reading it. And they determine that it wasn't enough time for him to make any deals, so they have to go back further and they start to investigate the plant itself man i'm amazed that they like actually took this seriously and did good detective work because i feel like most of the time no one gives a shit about this kind of thing yeah exactly yeah like this is pretty intensive like shit yeah yeah figure all this out yeah the the, the fact like reading this if this does not discourage you from fucking like like thinking you can take on like the government in terms of your criminal enterprise like like there's obviously every time a law is created like somebody figures out how to break it and not get caught like it happens immediately sure but like the people on the other side like they're like they're not idiots you know what I'm saying like like they're like, I'm especially, impressed yeah like, when you when you look at like you look at like an average beat cop I mean some, maybe sometimes they're they're a bright guy sometimes they're not but when you start to get to the upper echelons of the detective work like these guys don't just happen there by accident I mean, they do sometimes but not all the time and like yeah. especially when you look at financial crime these dudes they have to understand how finance works and that already makes them smarter than most people like right because it's all a fucking shell game mystery to most of us yeah exactly yeah like i'm just impressed because i just feel like most of the time these people go on on uh prosecuted yeah no, nobody gives a so, shit good for them for actually investigating this yeah so anyway they're at the plant they've they've figured out they've tracked it to the plant yeah so they uh, so yeah so they go they go back they look at the plant and they start uh, they start just kind of going through uh, the employment records they go through phone records and they go through they look at the plant's phone records and the plant's phone records they find calls to uh, to Pivich shit how do I forget to pronounce his name halfway through this fucking thing Pigeon <laughs> so yeah so they, uh, they they find calls to Pigeon uh, and and they're just you know that's, that's all they need that's the smoking gun that they have so they they've they they know that now he's uh is doing this as well so they have uh his accounts frozen so they've frozen his assets and right now he's the only one on their radar they don't know about plotkin Uh they don't know about spiegelman they just know about pichin because he's yeah it's interesting they didn't track it to spiegelman because wasn't he the one who was tipping them off more yeah well yeah he was and and they well they they're no slouches it comes but uh so he uh so he decides that to, the only way to get this money that he did all his work for is to try to come and explain explain himself, you know, and say, no, this is why I did this, you know, and he's not an idiot, so he shows up, he's, he, they said he's looking sharp, he's in a dark suit, he walks in, and they do about an eight-hour deposition, and in wow. this eight-hour deposition, they ask him a lot about the Reebok deal, and his answers are like, manicured ready you know prepared yeah. rehearsed like he's, he's not being thrown off his pivot by these guys uh you know they're they're 
you know, telling him like, uh, you know, the, the, he's basically he's nailing he's nailing all the fucking questions to the wall, and they yeah. just let him go and they let him get confident, and then they hit him with the fucking business insider question, which he was mm-hmm. not ready to answer. They go, okay, yeah, yeah, and uh, you ever read Business Insider? And they said he just clammed up. He just shut up. Yeah. Then, yeah. Then his fucking answer started becoming like one word, you know, two words. Uh, yes, no, and I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, then eventually lawyered up. So, so yeah. So he gets with the, with that, and he uh, he crumbles. So he he gets, he gets a lawyer. His lawyer advises him to just cooperate because he's got you know it, it's all right there. You know, so he cooperates. Right. They got him. Yeah. What does he do? He fucking sings. He fucking tells him about his buddy fucking Plotkin. They get plotkin on in there, right? So now, so now they're sitting there, and they're they're in trouble. So, but they start to look. They go, well, well, hold on. Where was all this information coming from? So what they do is they fucking, and this is just crazy. They fucking they graph all of their fucking moves that they make, and they look for similarities between each move, and they find out that the string that runs through all of these things is that all of these companies uh, are backed uh, th- at least through capital by Merrill Lynch. And so now they go, okay, we got somebody in Merrill Lynch. So they go into Merrill Lynch. They start looking through phone records. They start tracking histories. And they find a childhood connection between Plotkin and uh, uh, Spiegelman. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they bring Spiegelman in. And so now they've got everybody. Uh, the fucking the jig is up. Uh, so, yeah, so they, they uh, now they've, they've got everybody pretty much in the same room. They're in the same, you know, they got everybody held up. They start. They've, yeah, they've rounded up the key players. Yeah. They've got everybody. Yeah. Is, uh, are you uh, on the mic weird, Kath? Because there's a, a, a garbledness that's coming through. Um, is that better? Yes. Okay. I'm back. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, so let's just go ahead and start from here. If you note that time. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so now they've got everybody there in the same, you know, technically in the same place. Uh, they start looking into the uh, into the uh, other figureheads that are in the uh, in the case. They, they immediately go to talk to uh, Miss Cernovich. That's uh, uh, Pychin's aunt in Croatia, the uh, the, the panty stitcher. Mm-hmm. And they, they roll to her, and they, they start asking her, and she they immediately realize that, you know, because she, she was listed as making a $2 million profit in two days. So they were like, hey, and she literally was like, Man, I've done. As her her lawyer said, uh, she's done nothing that borders on the line of criminality. Her belief at the time was that the trades she was making were based on research her nephew had done, which I completely believe. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. You're not gonna let your aunt in on this. You're just gonna say, yeah, hey, auntie, I have a good stock tip for you. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so that poor lady, she thought she wouldn't have to stitch any more panties because she won all that money. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Nope. Yeah. Well, she was already retired, and so now it's right back to panty stitching for her. You know, and that's not. <laughs> Panty stitching sounds like an insult instead of yeah, just a yeah. job. You <laughs> fucking panty snitcher, stitcher. Yeah. So uh, yeah, now uh, on April 11th, uh, Plotkin he was uh, he was driving his uh, his black BMW into work. Federal agents arrested his ass. Uh, they set his bail at uh, three million, which he was uh, which he has not been able to make. <laughs> so um, he he was or he had not been able to make. So he was taken in. Uh, then eventually everybody was. Uh, Everybody was arrested and charged with in, in, in conjunction with the case. Now let's look at where they what they were sentenced here. Um, okay. Now uh, Plotkin pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit securities fraud and eight counts of insider trading in 2008. He was sentenced to 57 months in prison in order to pay a ten thousand dollar fine. That's it. Ten, ten, ten grand. Ten grand for ten grand. 
millions of dollars of theft and 57 or 37 I'm sorry 37 or 57 months of imprisonment um, 57 months so that's how many years that's essentially almost five like, years it's like four five like years? a little less okay, shy of yeah. five years so yeah that's not that bad uh, now um, then I was plucking Pichin was uh, was actually sentenced to uh, 37 months I'm not sure why he got that much less uh, so yeah they, they were and they, he was ordered to pay again uh Ten thousand dollars. No, that was ten thousand dollars fine, but they're also in order to do restitution uh, in the amount okay. of uh, of twenty seven point eight million dollars in fines. So, God damn. Yeah, okay. they were hit. They were hit. That changes my uh, evaluation of whether this was worth it or not. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now, after pleading guilty to the case, two thousand eight, Pichin was sentenced to time served, and so several months after his release, uh, Pichin broke the terms of his probation and fled the United States. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. So he took off. A warrant was issued uh, for his arrest, uh, and he was returned, and he is still serving his sentence. Um, so, yeah, that's what they so were all. When, what? When did they get caught? Like, what date or what year? They got caught in two thousand and hold on, uh, two thousand and. Uh, Seven, two thousand seven. Okay, okay. Yeah, so so one of them's still in jail. Yeah, which one, is pretty one, sweet. Yeah, one of them's still in jail now. So they uh, they get caught with that now. Uh, th- those with those two get uh, Spiegelman. Uh, Spiegelman was released on a three million dollar bail. He was sentenced to three seven thirty seven months in prison. Uh, he served it. He has since been released, and he lives with his parents. <laughs> okay. Well. Yeah. Sorry, Spiegelman. Yeah, so Spiegelman's back at home. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of that's that's the end of this one. Uh, that, that, it's kind of an uneventful ending, but it definitely, uh, you know, it was it's what happens when you do that, I guess. So, uh, yeah, that's what they were. I feel like I, the stock market to me is such an abstract thing that, like, the line between in like what's a legal stock tip and what's an illegal stock stock tip seems so arbitrary. To yeah, me. yeah. Like, you could read this magazine and invest based on it if it if at 9 a.m but if you did it at 8 a.m yeah it's legal you know like it's so strange to it, me it's very I mean, it's definitely very weird. the the merrill lynch guy tipping them off is like yeah it's definitely illegal yeah but like the business weekly stuff that's so strange to me I don't yeah know. yeah so, somebody already knew that information when they wrote the fucking article like it's already out there like it, it just and it, it also right. what's so weird is like oh well, they got martha stewart with like you have your your money in account Somebody tells you that like, that that stock's about to go belly up, so you move your money. How like I just don't see how that's fucking illegal. Like if, if you got the information, it's like if you got the information, somebody gives you the, the hookup, you're just supposed to sit there and watch all your fucking money go away. Like yeah, like the person giving you the hookup is is the crim is the criminal. Yeah, not yeah. The person give like not the person acting on that advice. Yeah. I don't know. I I look. Listeners, Pat and I, this is probably going to surprise you. We do not have any investment. Yeah, we do not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all liquid, baby. <laughs> I'm all liquid. I have been, been unbanked for like a year and a half. And I know unbanked is usually a term that very rich people use to describe not using a bank. <laughs> not me. I've just been unbanked and just usually have about 70 or 80 bucks in my pocket. <laughs> Damn, you don't even have a bank? No, I, I, I had a... Uh, How do you pay rent? A cash. You pay rent. Well, money order. You shady motherfucker. <laughs> you yeah. Crooked. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I what was funny is um, 
I, was, well, I when I was working at Time Warner Cable, uh, they've they've um, I was I had a checking account and I was I needed money to pay bills, so I, I overdrafted my checking account uh, by a couple hundred bucks. I was like, yeah, whatever, my direct deposit will hit and that'll be fine. Sure. And then they then there they, they fired me and then they uh, they they sent me my last check as a paper check, and I was oh, like, well, no. I was like, y'all done fucked up or you know or I fucked up honestly, but so I just went to the check cash spot and cash it, and then I just like chilled with like a two hundred dollar negative bank account for like a long time and I paid it. Yeah, I just closed it. Just yeah. fuck it. I paid it a few months ago. <laughs> I, I finally paid it off and uh, now I can open up a bank account again and I need to. Like, I, like I'm, it's starting to come into my life where I'm, like, I'm inconvenienced more and more by not having one. Yeah. So I'm like, I really need to get one. Like, I feel like I would travel more because it's like buying a plane ticket, if you have money in your account, it's like as soon as you get the inclination to do it, you can do it. But for me, yeah. it's like if I want to buy a plane ticket, I'm like, I gotta go get a fucking Visa gift card. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I... See, I, this is... And I want our listeners also know these are the types of scams that Pat and I are involved in are overdrafting your bank yeah. account and then just not <laughs> not putting money back in. That's like the level of, yeah. of scam that uh, I feel like I am capable of uh, pulling off as yeah. an impoverished person. Yeah. <laughs> as far as it's it like, goes. Ha ha, suck that one, Wells Fargo. Yeah. <laughs> as as far as it goes with us. It's just, yeah, we can. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah, do you, this one, not worth it, I would say, right? What, 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 uh, we were getting that mic issue again, Kath. Oh, sorry. Yeah. This one, not worth it. Yeah, right? no, totally not worth it. Not worth it at all. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> you know, like, they really, they only made like $6 million total, like $6.6 million. Yeah, and then they had to pay it all back. And yeah, like, they, yeah, they had to pay off, and they had to pay off more nice, than they fucking stole. They got hit in $27 million in fines from the SEC. Like, yeah. So for stealing $6 million, they had to pay $27 million back. No thanks. Yeah, yeah, no thanks. I'm all set. Uh, yeah, so that is that is it. That's the story of Peichin and Plotkin, the fucking uh, wannabe millionaires who uh, were for a few days. They were millionaires for a few days. Everybody Google One Way and watch the trailer. Yeah, watch the trailer. It's uh, it, it's pretty fucking stupid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, that's the uh, that's the thing. We a real real quick uh, jury on that one. It's not worth it. Don't do it. Um, yeah. So, Kath, uh, uh, I guess that's that, that's going to be it for this one, uh, folks. Please do check us out on uh, Facebook. We have the Facebook page. It's uh, just go to Facebook, type in "Lie, Cheat, and Steal." Uh, look us up on Twitter. We're at LCS Podcast. Uh, I'm at at PZTX and Kath is at at Kath Barbadoro. Follow us and uh, go to the iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast and listen to us, rate us, share us, subscribe us, tell your friends. Um, Yeah, and just, uh, you know, guys, remember, uh, above all, don't get caught. Don't get caught. Uh, Bye, guys. Bye.
Nashua. 